What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You don't know what that ought is, Mr. Trash. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd make a flamethrower to this place. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And the truth is what we speak here. This is the new pod. Get off my lawn. The mad ramblings of a Gen Xer. My name is Tim. I'm that Gen Xer. I'm going to give you all the information that you didn't want to hear. I'm going to talk about sports. I'm going to talk about politics. I'm going to talk about everything under the sun. And you know what? It's just going to be from my perspective. And I, and I want to give a big shout out to those that... Um, Thought this was going to be a good idea to, to, to let me to let me have another podcast. I, I have a couple podcasts I work on, and I have a very successful um, sports podcast and YouTube channel. But we don't want to talk about that. We we want to just talk about different things. We want to talk about politics. We want to talk about religion. We want to talk about movies. We want to talk about Bigfoot. We want to talk about everything under the sun. And I'm just gonna, you know what? It's just my perspective. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're we're not gonna take anything way too seriously. But you know what? There are certain things that you do need to talk about that are serious. And one of the things I want to talk about is I live in Pennsylvania. Now, right now in the Senate race in Pennsylvania, you have Oz and, and John Fetterman going up against each other. And, of course, if you do not know, John Fetterman suffered a stroke in May. And he's been struggling with uh, auditory processing issues and the ability to speak clearly and the ability to understand things that people are saying to him. And, I, and you kind of feel sorry for the guy. Because they had a debate last night, and as a Democratic candidate, if you think it's a good idea to roll this guy out, or I should say that just the Democratic Party in general, if you thought this was a good idea to roll this guy out, it really wasn't. You, you look, you watch that debate, and you're just like, this guy's got issues, and his, his issues are from the stroke. I mean, he was he was never my favorite candidate even before the stroke because he's the lieutenant governor for Pennsylvania, and so many things going on in Pennsylvania right now that are screwy. But you feel bad for this guy because there's no way that he should be out there. There's no way that he should be debating anyone, that he should be trying to recover. And if you say anything bad about him, you're, you're, an, you're, an, you're an ableist. If you say anything bad about his, his issue right now. And it was funny because I got a friend who is uh, he's a Democrat. And we were talking the other day, and and and, and I didn't want to get into um, I didn't want to get into Fetterman, but I kind of led the conversation that way, and, and we were just talking about airlines and some other things, and I asked him straight point and point blank, I said, you know, if you were on an airline, if you if your airline pilot had maybe Tourette's, or or maybe they just came back from a stroke, and you know their their ability to think and reason and make quick decisions was hampered by that stroke, would you want them flying the plane? He was like, no. And then I was like, well, then why do you want John Fetterman in the Senate? Because he's got the same problems. And he didn't have an answer. Again, I was, I was an ableist. But you watch this debate and you watch this guy struggle. And who thought that this was a good idea to roll him out? I mean, who, truly, who thought that? 
I mean, I can't see someone in the Democratic Party saying, you know what, this this guy is a uh, <laughs> this guy right now. This guy's a winner. And you, he did an interview a couple of weeks ago with a reporter on NBC, and the, and the reporter basically said that you know he had problems in the pre-interview when he wasn't using the computer. It's not like he he they felt he couldn't focus. They thought that his thought processing was not there. And he, she got blasted for it. You know, again, she's an ableist. But when you're pointing something out that's so easy to see for the normal person, I, I mean, you just, how does this, how is this guy go? If he has these issues now and they're like, well, he'll be better by January. How do we know this? He will not divulge any of his medical information. He will not let his doctor divulge any medical information about his stroke or about anything else or where he is in the progress. There, there, there is nothing that, that he's allowing them to do. They're not, they're not, you know, and I think that if you're running for office, if you're running for this position, if you could potentially be the 50, 51st vote, wouldn't you think it'd be a good idea to show everyone that you are capable of doing this instead of just having a letter from your physician saying, no, you're all right. It'll be, it'll be all good. Doesn't Pennsylvania deserve better than that? I mean, I mean, I, I just don't get it. And then currently he leads, you know, in, in most of the polls, he leads 50, uh, 50, what was it? 45 to 51, uh, excuse me, 45 to 41 over Oz right now against Pennsylvania likely voters. And I live in Pennsylvania, but I'm, I'm starting to think that half the people in Pennsylvania are stupid. Because if you you need a guy that has to have two 70-inch closed caption monitor displays just so he can understand what's going on. And then after he truly lost this debate, his team then turns around and attacks the moderators and says, well, the monitors did not display the proper information and it was too slow. This is a debate. How are you going to, on a daily basis represent the people of Pennsylvania when you can't even get through an hour and a half debate. And then the fact that he flip-flops on all of his, his stances now, it's, it's crazy. You get into fracking. This guy was against fracking. He was against fracking forever. He, multitudes of times that he said that he is against fracking. And then all of a sudden he, he comes out on, he comes out on the debate and says, no, 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 no. I I am for fracking. I, I mean, I've I never said. I, he's like, I always, I always supported fracking. Really, really? Can someone explain that one? You know, well, I understand it's the political season, but can you explain that one to me? No, you can't. Create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, he, uh, just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking. And I don't, I don't. I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, that was clear as mud. I support fracking, I do support fracking, and I support fracking. Okay, he's got an issue. He's got a problem. You could, you in the Democratic Party can spin this any way you want, but if you elect this guy, Pennsylvania, you're going to get what you deserve. It's the same thing when they elected a, a Democratic governor here in Pennsylvania. At one point in Pennsylvania, we had... The third lowest gas prices 
because of the gas tax. Millions of dollars are poured into the city of Philadelphia. I should rephrase that. Billions of dollars are poured into the city in Philadelphia, not only from Pennsylvania, but from the United States government. So the brilliant idea of this governor was to turn around and raise the gas tax. So we now have the third highest gas tax. We went from like the third lowest to the third highest in a year because they thought it was going to be a good idea because we were going to raise more money. For this, and, and, and I laugh because the majority of the money goes to one place, which is the city of Philadelphia, where they get billions and billions of dollars from government aid and assistance, but somehow the outlying communities are supporting just Philadelphia. That's a scary thought. That makes you think for a minute, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? And this guy cannot answer, Fetterman that is, simple questions. And he cannot defend his own record. But we are going to put him in the Senate, potentially give him the 51st vote, because of the fact that we're all ableists if we point these things out. It's a scary, it's a scary thought process. We were talking about, I, I, you know, I mentioned gas a moment ago. Gas prices, gas prices, gas prices. And, and you gotta you gotta love it because you you sometimes have to wonder again. <laughs> Again, if you want to talk about someone, you have to scratch your head about. You know, Joe Biden is one of those guys you got to scratch your head about. You know, he won the election. They basically hit him. Like I said, I'm an independent. I'm a registered independent. But they basically hit Joe Biden in the basement forever. And there's been multitudes of occasions where you look at him and you just say something's not right. They had a tree planting ceremony in the Rose Garden the other day, and he got lost. He didn't know where to go. He has to have cards that say, you know, when he's giving a speech, do this, do this, do this, and now sit down. So there's something just not right there as well. And again, the Democratic Party rolled him out. They hit him from the press. The the press protected him. But then he comes out and makes all these weird statements. Then then I love it because then he he talks about he talks about gas prices. And we're gonna get into this for a second. He talks about gas prices and how gas prices are too high, not only because of big oil, and it's also because of the independent gas stations. Message is simple to the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Do it now. Do it today. I should do it this way. Do it. Oh wait, my sound. I have only my soundboard's not working there right now. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have the. I don't have the effect on that one soundboard. Do it. Still, still, I'm still not. Well, you know, what? we'll we'll figure out that we'll figure out what the issue with the soundboard is in a minute. But it, it, it's just it's just crazy that he's saying these things. I know people that have owned independent gas stations, and most gas stations are owned by independent families. There will be some people that have multitudes of own multitudes of gas stations. But I laugh because you look at this and you turn around and it's like, dude, do you even know what you're talking about? You're making economic decisions about the gas. You're releasing millions of barrels out of the reserve, the oil reserve, that is now at the lowest level since Ronald Reagan, just to keep the gas prices lower. But you don't even know how the gas system works. What happens is you have a gas station. Your gas station buys gas. The gas is then put into the ground. Now, here, here's the fun part. You paid a certain amount for that gas. So what happens is you then charge the amount of money 
that is going to at least help you pay for that gas. Your money when you want a gas station is not made by the gas in the ground. It's made by your convenience stores and everything else. Most gas stations break even on gas. So they have to pay a reflection of the price of what, what they paid for at the, you know, from the distributor and then charge that to the customer. They're not sitting there jacking up the prices. They're not sitting there going, ha, 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 gentlemen, too evil. <laughs> we, we are going to bleed these people dry. No. They, you just don't make, and that's what people don't get. You don't make money off of that. Where you make your money at a gas station is in the convenience store. That's where you make your cash. That's where you make your money. But according to Joe, it's going to be up to the small business owner to tackle this. The problem is not a lack of supply of oil. The problem is in the refinery system, but we're, we're not going to get into that today. But the biggest issue that you have with oil is the speculators on the commodity market. It's not the demand. Demand is high, but the speculators set the price per barrel of oil. They set that price. And what happens is you go on to, if you go onto the commodity market, you can actually watch them, you know, buying and trading commodities of oil. You can, you can, you can watch it. And that's, what's moves, that's what moves the needle on the price up and down. It's always interesting because when you get certain news about oil, like, like Saudi Arabia or someone's going to pump less or OPEC's going to pump less or, you know, you're going to turn on the pipeline, you're going to turn off the pipeline, you watch the barrel of oil jump exponentially. Now, the problem is demand hasn't changed, the supply hasn't changed, but the news on the oil itself has changed, and the speculators are now speculating what the price of oil is going to be. That's the problem. I loved it the other day, because uh, there was a gentleman on, uh, I I believe it was CNN, and he was talking to the fact that if you turned around right now, and just said that you are going to reopen the Keystone Pipeline. Not actually do it, but just say you're going to do it. He was like, oil will probably drop 6 $7 a barrel. Now, what has changed? You actually haven't turned on the pipeline. You haven't turned around and all of a sudden done anything different. You haven't increased demand. But the speculators are looking at the long-term effect on the commodities market. That's the problem. That's the issue right there. And that's what you need. That's kind of what you need to look at. And that's what you need to think about. A lot of times when he says things, it's not because demand is changing. It's not because anything else changed. It's just he's saying things that are reflecting into the commodities market. That's the issue at times. And he doesn't understand, Joe Biden, that the power of his words at times are really driving the markets. It's the same thing when you look at the interest rates. When the Fed comes out and says, you know, there's going to be an interest hike, usually the market tanks. When they say they're going to keep everything status quo because the economy is doing well, the, the, the market goes up. It's all about speculation. And that, that's a scary thought, but that's how, that's how that works. So continuously to release oil out of the strategic reserve, which is at the lowest level since Reagan, I think we have over 400 million barrels right now. We're, we're almost less than half full. And, you know, God forbid there's an actual physical emergency besides an election on November 8th. That's what you need. To, that's what that, but that reserve, that's what aggravates me. Because that reserve is there for a reason. It is there for an emergency. What if there's an actual emergency and we keep tapping into that reserve? 
things are just, I mean, politics just, politics just gets, gets into my head because of the fact that you look at things and you look at things from an outside perspective and you look at things from, from a vantage point of a, an average person such as myself and you see what these people are doing in Congress and the Senate and, and, and the executive branch and you wonder, are they doing these things intentionally? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. I got friends, and, and my wife is one. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but I got friends that are conspiracy theorists. So every time Joe Biden and someone does something, they're like, well, they're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Another good example of how words affect the market, Joe Biden also came out and blamed the greedy oil companies who are not sharing their record profits because they're just greedy. They're just there to make money. Wow, an organization who employs people is there to make money. That's something new. I've never heard that before. And he's blaming them for not exploring new oil. He's, you know, buying oil leases. They talk about the 8,000 oil leases that are available right now. Because I believe only one has been sold under Joe Biden. And I love because that one that has been sold, and this is the reason why, there's two, this is a twofold reason why they're not, um, they're not going out and doing, you know, being explorative in reference to finding new oil and new sources. You came out, Joe, and said you want to put an end to the fossil fuel industry. So if you are Exxon or another company, why would you sit there and reinvest billions of dollars into an industry that you are trying to make extinct? Everyone do the dinosaur. Why? Why would you do that? I mean, why, if, if, if I was a corporate head, why would I sit there and say, you know what? I think this is, I think this is a great idea. <laughs> let's, let's reinvest the money in an industry that nobody wants. Those are words that, that allow these companies to just be like, no, I don't want to do it. And then when you buy an oil lease, we'll talk about that for a second too. You buy an oil lease. This is funny. So you have an oil lease and you, you're going to do some drilling. And then along comes an environmental group, which slaps you with an injunction and a lawsuit to stop you. And then you have to spend time in court while the EPA goes through how this is, you know, how this is going to affect the environment. And then you need to have something called right-of-way. Right-of-way means that you need basically a permit that after you have drilled your oil, you have to, get a, you have, to have a right-of-way agreement to get it out of wherever you are at. So let's say you're in the Sahara Nevada. I don't know, Sierra, Sierra Nevada. You're, I'm just making it up. And you drilled all this oil. You need to then build a road. You need to build a railroad. You need something to transport that oil. You have to have a right-of-way agreement, which is usually issued by the EPA, which then looks at the environmental studies of what that impact is on the silverfish in the lake right next to you, that how, that may, how, how that may kill the environment. And then that lease you picked up is now useless for the next two, three, four, five years as it runs through the court system. The one lease that the Biden administration sold is in, in litigation right now. From an, from an environmental group. How crazy is that? So you want them to spend money on an industry you're trying to destroy, and then when you do buy an oil lease, you are going to hold them hostage with the right of way until the EPA determines that, you know what, there is a species of ant that we can't kill, so we're not, we're not going to give you the right of way passage so you can transport your oil out. I was watching movies yesterday. I, I like scary movies. And I like scary movies that, you know, and, and it's one of those things that there were always movies when you were a kid that kind of freaked you out. 
And nowadays when you watch it, you're like, well, you know what? That wasn't really that scary. That, 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 really, that really wasn't that bad. Now, and there was a movie that freaked me out as a kid, and it was made in the early 60s. I, I was born in the late 60s, so I didn't watch it as a child, but I watched it on uh, Channel 29, or maybe it was 17 or 57, I don't remember, before, before you had cable. And I watched it the other day, and it was called Day of the Triffids. And I laugh because it's one of these movies that... It, I'm gonna give you, I'll give you a brief synopsis. You know, it, it's set in London... And there's a meteor shower, and it's a light, like a light show. And it's, the one, it's a one-time-only thing that you'll probably never see again. And, everyone, and it goes on for like a day. And everyone's looking up at the sky, of course. And then the next day, everyone's blind. No one can see. Because the meteor shower burned out the retinas from anyone that looked at it. So the entire population is now blind. There's only a few people that are not blind because they were either... They didn't, they didn't look at, you know, the meteor shower or, you know, whatever it is. And there's a sea captain who was um, in the hospital because he, uh, he had surgery on his eyes. So his eyes were bandaged. So, so of course, he could not see the, um, the meteor shower. Now, the problem was what the meteor shower was doing, it was a, a precursor to a plant that had come from outer space and landed in the gardens in London and across the world. And now this plant was a triffid. You know, what happened is the plant then shoots out, you know, it, it, the meteor shower blinds everyone, the plant comes up, and the plant can walk. It's like, it's like a Venus flytrap plant. And what it does is it shoots out this spray, and it incapacitates the blind people, then it eats them. I know. Pretty scary. Now, the plant, to me, was scary. Man. It had tentacles, it had a big mouth, you know, it would grab people. They, they would shoot out the spray, and the person would turn blue. And then I would eat them, and I was freaked out by it, man. I was freaked out by it. It's one of those things that you watch it in the basement, and you watch it on your TV, you know, with the little knob. Because, you know, that's the, that's the place the, t- the parents put the, the bad TV was always in the basement. And I remember watching it. it was like, I, think it was, I think it was Channel 29, you know, the horror movie show that was on like 11, 30, 12 o'clock on a Saturday. And it was one of those things that freaked you out so much, you know, you would turn off the TV and run up the stairs with the lights on because you didn't want to get attacked by the triffid. I watched it yesterday. And I'm laughing because I'm like, okay, even for the 60s, this, this movie was bad. And this freaked me out. I was like, really? What the hell was, what the hell was, I, what the hell was wrong with me? And I probably watched it when I was like eight or nine. But I was like, this isn't scary. This is, this is, actually, kind of, this is actually kind of funny. And then it made me think of another movie. There was a movie, it was a made-for-TV movie, and honestly, it still freaks me out to this day. It's called Gargoyles. And it's, uh, it's about a species of gargoyles that are in the desert. And Bernie Casey is the lead gargoyle. And uh, he, he's got the gargoyle suit on, he's got these weird eyes, and the makeup back, and I believe it was made in the 70s. And it was, like I said, this was a, t- this was a made-for-TV horror movie. And I'll tell you this, to this day... That still freaks me out. That still just makes me go, what the hell, man? Because it's about these geologists and they find the gargoyles and then the gargoyles are trying to, you know, trying to hatch their eggs and they're trying to, you know, and it's one of those movies that you watch now. And I was like, you know, for a movie that was, you know, for a movie that was made for television, for public broadcast, not cable, over the airways, it was a little freaky. And, and it was a little scary. And I, I was saying now that, if I was a kid nowadays and I'm watching this, I'm still going to be freaked out. 
Because it was a little, I mean, it, it, it was, and Bernie Casey did a great job of being the gargoyle. It was, again, it was one of those movies in the 70s and 80s that you watch, and you would watch late at night, because they used to have like a, you know, they had the midnight movie, so you used to watch the midnight movie. You didn't see movies like that. But it would just scare the, it would scare the crap out of you. And I was watching a little bit of it going, wow, man, this ain't Day of the Triffids. This, this, is, a, this is a little freaky. This is a little freaky-deaky for me. And then we were driving home from an event, my family and I, the other day. And we, and we live deep in the backwoods. You know, we, we live like, you know, we, we don't live in the area of deliverance, but we, we live pretty far back in the woods. And, you, and to get to the major artery and the major highway, you have to go through these windy roads that are like one-lane highways. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not dangerous, but you just have to be careful because two, they say they're two-lane roads, but the problem is one, barely one car can fit in these two lanes. And we were driving home, and it, was, it wasn't late. It was like 7.30, 8 o'clock. And we had gone a different way. Now, we're talking about you're in an area of a road where everything is, you're basically in a tunnel. And all the trees have grown over each other. I like how I'm using my hands right now to show people how every, the trees have grown over. So you're like in a tunnel. And we were going for miles in this tunnel. And the GPS is no help whatsoever. And I told my wife, I said, this is like out of a horror movie. Because no matter where we went, and no matter where we turned, we were always 12 miles away from the house. And it seemed like we were going on for a good 15, 20 minutes, and we were still 12 miles away. And at one point in time, we're still coming back to the same spot that we were, that we were previously. The GPS was just basically taking us in a big circle. So my wife goes, go down this road. Go straight. You go down straight a little bit longer, and what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to find, you know, we, we could then make the turn up that road. And I was like, okay. So I'm listening to her, and then we're still 12 miles out. So I'm going down this road, pitch black. It, the, basically, the road turns in from a two-lane road to a one-lane road, and I make the turn. And as I'm making the turn, I am literally turning into a cemetery from, like, the 1800s. I mean, you had tombstones on both sides of you. And it was freaky because you made the turn and you look and all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, there's, where, where the hell these tombstones come from? And we're still 12 miles out from home. And my wife said, you know, this, this is the perfect spot for Bigfoot to jump out. Or the Jersey Devil to come, to come flying out of the side of the road. And I laughed because I was like, you know, you, you joke about that. But, you, you know, I mean, you don't know. You don't know what's out there. I can't, well, my sound, my, my, I don't know why my sound effects aren't working today, but... Usually I have sound effects, but right now they're not working. We'll have, to, we'll have to figure that out later. But it was just it was just a freaky situation, and I laughed because I told her, I said, we're in Pennsylvania. Why the hell would the Jersey Devil be here? <laughs> just the things that make you go, mm. But I think the craziest of the whole thing was always being 12 miles out. I, don't, I am not sure how the GPS was able to do that. I am, I am not sure how that... You know. How that managed that, but it was just another interesting day and it's just another interesting evening. Well, th- we're going to end it right there today because you know what? We're only, we're only doing little snippets of the show. The show is going to be anywhere between half hour to an hour long. And like I said, we're going to talk about everything under the sun. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about a little bit of entertainment. We're going to talk about anything that basically just tickles my fancy. And I hope you enjoy the ride because you know what? We're just going to give it to you honest. We're just going to do like it is, and we're going to tell you like it is. Good, bad, or indifferent. 
and we hope you enjoy. And once again, this is Tim. This is Get Off My Lawn, the Mad Ramblers of Gen Xer, and we will see you next time.